My first question, in and out or five guys? Um, we're going to go with five guys. Absolutely five guys. All wow. the way. It's the fries, dude. This is two for two, actually, for interviews for five guys yeah, now. It's, second it's, second season was almost all in and out. Five guys. Why is five guys? Uh, the fries. That's mm. it. I mean, whenever you can get a bag from any burger joint that has that many fries in it and it turns clear, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good place to eat. <laughs> that's, that's how that works. Welcome to Season 3 of 10 Questions with 10 Pastors. Brought to you by Gateway Seminary. With your host, Tyler Sanders. This episode was recorded live at the 2023 SBC Annual Meeting. I'm here with Dusty Marshall, who is a pastor of The Well in Alamogordo. Yep. Did I say that right? Alamogordo. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Alamogordo, New Mexico. Recent grad, graduated in uh, December 22 with his MTS. And uh, he's joined us at the New Orleans uh, Convention Center here. We're here at the uh, SBC meeting. And uh, we had a couple of questions. First one, uh, can you tell us how I became a Christian? So I was uh, about 16 years old. I was in Hobbs, New Mexico, going to... Uh, what they called a covenant weekend. And uh, some friends of mine invited me to that. I was part of our debate team. So we head over there. And at the time, I would I'd be what you would describe as an atheist. I was reading Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion, yeah. and uh, was trying to make arguments that God didn't exist. And my Christian friends went, you got to come anyways. And well, I was a nerd and I didn't have a lot of friends, so I went. And long story short, uh, they had an evangelist come in that came to speak to us and they did it by groups. And he showed us the end of the cartoon, The Iron Giant. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's, you know, he goes up in the air. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the Iron Giant. It's been out for years, so that's your <laughs> fault. Um, but he goes up in the air, you know, to, and gets hit by the nuke to save everybody. Yeah. And he stops it there and he goes, this, this is effectively what Jesus has done for all of us on the cross. Hmm. Is he took the nuke of sin hmm. and, and sacrificed himself so that we may live. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit, it was at that moment I was like, man, I, I've been arguing against God and trying to prove he's wrong this whole time. But he is saving. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a blubbering mess at 16 years old, and that's how I came to know Christ, was, was right then and there. And that's so awesome. Now I have an Iron Giant figure in my office. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite cartoons. I've made all my kids watch it, and so uh, just out of nostalgia. It's a great movie. It is. It's it a is. really good movie. Now, uh, you've hinted a little bit about this. You've said you were a little bit nerdy, and we've just talked about the Iron Giant. I have a question yeah. for you about what you're reading right now. And why don't you tell us a bit of the breadth of the types of things you read? Okay, so the breadth is uh, I like to read a lot of comic books. I have over 5,000 comic books in my own personal collection. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and currently, I'm reading The Death of Superman. Um, and that's it's a classic. Own, yeah, and it's own little omnibus. And mm -hmm. so I'm reading it right now uh, again. Uh, probably for the 15th time because I'm a huge Superman fan. Yeah. And uh, then apart from that, uh, you know, serious books. Uh, right now, I'm really just doing a major study on, on 1 Corinthians and going through mm. a lot of commentaries like the Nat Commentary and things yeah. like that because we're getting prepared for our new sermon series that's going to be coming up in a few weeks okay. at the church. So other than that, that's pretty much what I'm, I'm delved into except for uh, I have this uh, Stand Firm devotional that I do mm. uh, almost every day if I'm really, really dedicated. Okay. So. Well, that actually uh, does my job for me because that's a great transition to our preaching questions. Yeah. So big picture, how are you planning out like series? Are you thinking about topics? Are you kind of going through books of the Bible? What's your kind of, you know, whatever, 5,000 foot approach to preaching? Well, so right now, usually I'm, I'm a book guy. Okay. And so I'll preach through through every book. And um, 
for a couple of reasons. One, it's it's easier to exposit out of you know book yeah. by book, right? Um, than trying to go topical. Uh, but the other side too is, is that I know exactly what I'm preaching every Sunday. So sure. if I, I, you know, I'm bivocational. I have three jobs. Uh, so if I'm behind on things, and I'm I'm like I'm, we're doing First Corinthians chapter one, you know, cool. I, by by Friday or Saturday, I still know I'm in First Corinthians yeah. chapter one, and I'm digging through that and going through commentaries. Yeah. Um, but uh, at times, because we're replanting, is what we're doing. Um, okay. And so uh, we're. We're through Nam, and we're replanting the church that we're at. There are things they need to learn because they only had six members while we were there. And that was it. Wow. Uh, and they were a dying church, so we wanted to go through the basics to begin with. So we started out. Um, we started out with the Book of John mm-hmm. and went straight through the entire book. It took us a year to go through that. Then we went into the Book of Acts and did an entire sermon series called "The Acts of the Body." And went through what the church is supposed to be. What does it look like? How do we survive? What does that mean? You yeah. Know, um, and we went through that entire series. And then after that, we kind of did a couple of just, we needed some topical stuff. Like, what does fellowship with your brother and sister in Christ look like? Yeah, what sure. Is, what does tithing and offerings actually mean? Yeah. Um, so like right now, we're going through a sermon series called For the Life of the World. And we're talking specifically about our salvation isn't just for us. Like, we don't just sit in the congregation and show up and be like, oh, I feel good. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to see you. And go home. It's we're living as exiles, like First Peter tells us, mm. and we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So our salvation isn't just ours. It's for the life of the world. It's supposed to go out. So if we're not active in that, and we're not evangelistic in that. We've missed a core concept of what the, the local church body is for. Right. So we got about two more sermons uh, in that series, and then I'll be going through First Corinthians after that. Okay. So that's that's essentially the the three years yeah. that I've been there already. Well, that's so. awesome. Now, what's your like week to week sermon prep like? Do you have like a routine? You know, do you have like a like a weekly schedule or anything like that? I, I try to right now. How, how my schedule works is on Mondays and Wednesdays because I'm part time as an AMS for our association. Uh-huh. Um, so Monday and Wednesdays, I'm in the office or, or visiting churches and other pastors and trying to lift them up and help them uh, mm-hmm. do those types of things. Tuesdays and Thursdays become my swing days, become open. Right. So I run a small business that. Long story short, we make uh, um, swords and shields for live action role players. Yeah. If, for, for anybody listening who doesn't know what that is, just Google it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but I, Tuesday has started becoming that day that I'm in the shop. I'm building things. I'm working on band saws and shaving down foam and stuff like that to yeah. make that stuff happen to keep the business going. Yeah. And Thursday has really become the day that is just dedicated to the church and dedicated to sermon prep, dedicated to calling our members, checking on them. Yeah. And unfortunately, what every one of my professors have always told me, you know, don't wait until Saturday to finish your sermon. I unfortunately wait till Saturday <laughs> to finish my sermon. Um, and so uh, those are the days. Thursday and Saturday becomes those days that it's really just crunch time. Sometimes yeah. Tuesday becomes that if it's light at the shop. Mm-hmm. But that's that's where my preparation time's at, just given everything that I have to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's working out okay, I guess. Sure, yeah, yeah. And what's the most difficult passage or topic you've preached the most difficult passage or topic that i've preached that's um it's it's probably going to be it's probably going to be in you know when you're going through the through the stories of the early church hmm. and then trying to understand what's going on because where we're at we're, we're dealing with a lot of politicized individuals that politics in our world like american politics is so important and to go through a message that you hear about peter you know, being in prison until you can't, you can't preach that anymore. We're going to beat you and all this stuff. And then he comes out and what's the first thing he does? 
He doesn't say we need to overthrow the government. We need to, we need to find somebody else that can rule over us. Yeah. He goes to the other believers where they're meeting. They're terrified because they thought he was dead. And they're like, mm. oh, man, who's this at the door? They let him in, and they pray. They don't pray for the government to change. They don't pray for a new emperor. They don't pray for them not to be beaten. They don't pray for any of those things. They pray that they stay faithful to preaching the gospel. Right. And, and that, that's, that's the hardest message I've had to preach because then the questions come, what, so you're telling me I don't need to be involved in politics. I don't need to vote. No, that's not what I'm saying. Be a faithful citizen of the country you're in, right? Like, yeah. do that and, and vote your convictions. But the kingdom of heaven and our citizenship there and who we serve, which is Christ, should be paramount, the most important thing we do. Right. And right. that's been hard. Not, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I'm sure some people probably answer like there's these certain texts to parcel out with the Greek and everything else. I don't know if that's really the hardest thing for me. It's it's the concept of what's happening in our culture, of what we yeah. think is important compared to what scripture tells us what really is important. Yeah. It seems like there's kind of a prevalent assumption now, even among the church, that somehow we're going to fix everything right. through the government, through voting. And it's right. it's a little bit of a... I, uh, of course, we want to be engaged there and we need to bring the gospel there, of course. But we also need to make sure that our faith is in christ right you know and i think that's the key right because if we're if we live in a society as believers that we constantly talk about you know god god wants us to do this this way or god has convicted yeah. us to have this person in office or whatever well what happens when that person's not in office yeah. what happens when that person does that then then we we've put the auspice on god and we then go well, well so god lost no that's not how that works right god god's still on the throne yeah. right so let's let's move past that yeah. it's in spite of everything that's going on in our culture just like the early church we would still spread the great news of what Christ has done for all of humanity right. and go, you understand we have a great priest and king that knows you personally and did something for you personally, which is dying on the cross, being buried, raising from the dead. Like we all know that story. Yeah. Now, how do we disciple what scripture says, you know, once you come to faith, how do we truly get them to understand that rather than going, yes, we need to worry more about the news. Yes, we need to worry more about our politics. But what if we worried more about the kingdom of heaven first yeah. and then let that be the secondary thing afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, you've mentioned you're bivocational. Uh, so that means you wear a lot of hats. I do. As a minister, too. Right. I mean, right. a lot of hats outside of just your ministry job. But right. in ministry, this is kind of a two-parter. What do you What do you feel like is a sweet spot, like a role responsibility It's a sweet spot for you? And what's something that maybe like you're working on, you're trying to still develop? Um, I, I think the sweet spot for me right now is actually... Um, just being being pastorly, if that makes like being the pastor mm. of the church, um, loving people where they are. Sometimes they just need somebody to talk to. Life is life, and it gets yeah. hard. You know, it's we might get this kind of concept that everything's going to be perfect, and I'm gonna I'm gonna expound scripture so well, people will just understand everything, and their life will be perfect. But sometimes they just need the guy that sits in the pulpit to come to their house and go, "You're just like me." Right. That's right. I'm a member of this body just like you are. Yeah. Like I have a responsibility to this body just like you do. It just happens that I'm the under shepherd. I'm, I'm the one called to mm. pastor you, but we're in this together. Yeah. And life, life is hard. There yeah. are things that that you go through that that is extremely difficult. That I, you know, I hope some pastors never have to deal with. You know, mm. I mean, I've had to, I've had I've had to officiate the funeral of a member that you know took his own life mm. and. Um, your seminary doesn't prepare you for that. I don't, right. You know, it doesn't, right. it's just something you can't have. But those are the things of just being an honest human being. That's yeah. that's my sweet spot. I'm really comfortable there. Yeah. My greatest difficulty, 
is 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 preaching. Hmm. That is honest because I'm I'm so terrified constantly when I sit in the pulpit still. Um, and that's even right. coming from a guy that's been a collegiate debate coach. Yeah. I I well, you know did debate in, you know, for my undergrad, and that's how I went to uh, college and had a scholarship. Um, I've spoken in front of a lot of people. I've I've worked in politics. I'm terrified when I take the pulpit and I go, this is God's word. Yeah. And so I always pray, God, let us hear you. And if any moment I'm in the way, remove me. Yeah. So we hear you alone. And so I'm just always going, man, did I mess that up? Did I parcel out that word right? Did, did I get the yeah. text corrected? There's a weight to that. Yeah, there's a huge weight to that. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, you know, my, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are also members of the church. And my wife is there and my children are also listening. Yeah. And so not only just the members that are part of the church, my own family gets to hear from me of what God's word means. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I don't want to mess that up. So I don't know if that's me being over paranoid or over anxious, but, but that's, that's the terrifying part for me that I'm not sure I'm, I'm great at. Yeah. No, um, I totally understand that. So there's a story, I don't know if it's true or not, maybe apocryphal, but uh, Martin Luther before, you know, before he became a reformer or began the reformation, <laughs> he, uh, I think he was going to do, uh, he was going to serve uh uh, uh, wine and bread, yeah. you know, as part of communion. And he got so overwhelmed and nervous about it because he's holding it. And of course, in his perspective, right. it was like, this right. is Christ. Like if I spill a drop of this and it, it terrified him, yeah. you know, but I, I, I feel that way. I don't preach very often. Whatever I do, I'm like, I, I get really nervous. I'm like, what if I, there's a weight to that. You know, there's yeah. a responsibility to that for sure. Yeah, and, I, and, and you know, part of my background is, is the first church I ever pastored. I, I I was awful to a point that the church split, and uh, a year later we closed the doors. I was the last pastor of that church. Wow. It was planted in nineteen in the nineteen fifties. I had a huge ego. I preached what I wanted to preach and how mm. I thought it was supposed to be. And uh, you know, God is good and, and has, you know, I've had to take responsibility for that. Mm. It, it humbled me. Um, but that's also another part of that fear. Like, man, I don't ever want to do that again because yeah. there's people to this day in my hometown that, that still, when my name is said, there's, there's, there's a bad look in their eyes. They're like, Oh, that guy. And it's like, you know, and you have all rights for that. Right. Like I, that was my fault. Yeah. Um, and I just, I pray I never do that again. I pray I never disciple anybody to where they would have mm. a heart to do that again either. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's, it's nerve wracking sometimes. Yeah. Actually, my next question was going to be, what's a swing and a miss you've had in ministry? Oh, that's definitely Would it. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, was, I was 24. I, I didn't even finish my bachelor's degree wow. yet. They called me to be their pastor. The first sermon I preached was on an Easter Sunday, and they, they're like, oh, he sounds really good. And then I remember our deacons talking about going, uh, he's a young guy. He won't, he won't die on us. And so the two mm. pastors before me both passed away from a heart attack while pastoring the church. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> um, I, did, I did not have that whatsoever. So that's, yeah. that's, that's definitely the swing of the miss. Yeah. Um, also trying to start a Saturday evening worship service when you have absolutely nobody that would show up to a Saturday evening <laughs> worship service to begin with. And you're just like, <laughs> if I build it, they will come. That, that was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Now what's, um, what's something you feel like every seminary student should come away from seminary with? Like, what's the thing that like, if you miss this in seminary, you've missed something really valuable. Um, I think the key of what, if you miss this in seminary, you miss something very valuable is, regardless of how much head knowledge that you may have from a classroom, the the guy down the street that doesn't know Christ doesn't care. Mm. And so it's not, it's not the degree you're going to get. It's what Christ will do through you 
and you'll be equipped with that degree, with the, that head knowledge, with yeah. those things that you're going through. Yeah. And so if you walk away from seminary thinking, I have a degree, I can do anything. I think you need to reverse that and go out. Because of that degree, Christ is using me to do anything. And right. that's, that's what I think we need to walk away with. Yeah. My last question for you. If you could give any advice to yourself when you were like a first year pastor or early in your ministry, what, what would you tell yourself? Um, the older generation is just as valuable as the younger generation. Mm. That, that without both of them, you cannot actually have what Scripture says in the local body of believers. Mm. You can't have the wisdom that's passed on, and you can't have the dreamers that will dream dreams at yeah. the same time. And so that would be my advice is, is love them, care for them, use them, let them, let them do just as much work as you're wanting the younger people to do. Yeah. And invest in them and allow them to invest in you. That, that would be my advice. You That's got to keep both. It's, a, it's holistic. You can't choose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Dusty, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man.